WMEX Quincy Boston, streaming at WMEXBoston.com. And on your smart speaker, just say, play WMEX. The greatest hits of all time are back. This is the all-new WMEX. WMEX Boston. They singing all night, drinking wine, spooty ooty, drinking wine. Wine, spooty ooty, drinking wine. That's right, it's time for Wine by Design with Len here on 1510, the all-new WMEX. Len is a certified wine educator with over 30 years in the wine industry and, of course, a WMEX good guy. So give it up and call in with your questions at 781-834-9639. Here's your host, Len Prasuti. Good evening, everyone. Just happy as... I'm just delighted to be here with you tonight. Um, I wanted to introduce myself just a little bit. Ben mentioned that someone might think that he just ran into someone that said, yeah, I know something about wine on the road. But as Ben mentioned, I'm a certified wine educator by the Society of Wine Educators. I'm a former corporate wine educator with the biggest distributorship in all of New England. Um, had a chance to go through the vineyards all over the world, South Africa, New Zealand, Australia, France, Italy, Germany, Spain, Chile, and Argentina. And um, I am just chomping at the bit to talk to you about the wines for the bird. The bird? Just the bird. The best bets for the bird. Now, I just need to lay down some ground rules here. I'm not here to tell you what to like. You are the world's foremost expert on your palate, and everyone's palate's different. You have a different set of thresholds for your perception of acidity, bitterness, sweetness, and all that, and a hundred other things. And then you have certain objectives and subjective likes and dislikes there. So, but what I am here to tell you that surprisingly, there is an amazing amount of agreement on what makes a good wine and food match. You know, I saw that um, when I looked at the reaction of the people in the crowds when I was doing my wine and food matching seminars at the Boston Wine Expo. Just about everyone was nodding their head in agreement there. So I'm going to try to take advantage of my expertise to give you an idea of what might work for you and some new things to try out. There's only one other rule I have, and that is this has got to be fun. If you're not going to have fun with it, don't do it. Some people get so uptight about the matches that they're all stressed out. That's not what it's about at all. But on to the turkey. You know, it's probably the question I've been most asked about wine and food combinations, you know, what works with turkey? And my response is usually, you know, that's the wrong question. It's not what works with the turkey. It's what works with the sage and the bell seasoning and the stuffing and the uh, sweet potatoes and brown sugar butter glaze with the cranberry sauce. There's a lot going on in that table and you have to pay attention to everything to come up with a good match. Now, one of the problems is the two most popular wines in the United States, Cabernet Sauvignon and Chardonnay, are two of the worst matches. 
The reason for that is they have a lot of tannin. You know, Cabernets, they have the great tannins as well as the wood tannins. They're usually aged in oak. The big buttery Chardonnays have oak aging and their tannins are even more exposed. Now, when you bring those to the table, you get this god awful bitter quality in the tannin in the wine. And it just it's just not fun at all. But there are a lot of things that can work really well there. We experimented with every possible combination you can imagine. And the grape we came up with that worked the best was Pinot Noir. Now, it's a big berry with a thin skin, so there's a lot less tannin in there. But the other big benefit to it is it's very high in acidity. So it kind of cuts through the gravy as, as well as cleansing your palate and all that good stuff. Now, the question was whether to go new world or old world. The old world pinots are really kind of earthy and have this touch of beetroot. They do not work at the Thanksgiving table. I can't tell you how many times we've tried it. We have literally taken a sip of the wine, gotten such a bad reaction with this great Premier Cru Burgundy that we couldn't wait to try, poured it back in the bottle and poured a New World version where we're going to today is California. You're looking for that big, intense, ripe fruit so that it's not turned bitter by the cranberry sauce and all that other stuff. There is a place in California, however, that does make by far the best Pinot Noir, um, and that is the Russian River Valley. It's a combination of the soil types are really conducive to growing great uh, Pinot Noir grapes. It's They can't be too rich or they, they put too much energy in the leaf canopy and all that. But the big thing that really sets it apart is the fact of these, it has these fog, uh, waves of fog that come up from the Pacific Ocean through the valley. Very often, they don't burn off until midday. So then they get this gentle sunshine towards the late afternoon. It allows for a really long growing period, which gives you super intense ripe fruit flavors. But at the same time, that the coolness of the night, sometimes it's 40 degrees above uh, below the daytime temperatures, allows the wine to retain its acidity there. Um, I mentioned Russian River, one of the best places in the world to grow Pinot Noir. That really came home to me when I had a chance to attend this blind tasting back in the early 90s of a 1985 Joseph Roti Charm Chambertin. Now, we're talking Grand Cru Red Burgundy. Today, thousands of dollars a bottle. At the time, Parker said that wine was the best Burgundy he had ever tasted to that point. And we were tasting it blind with a 1986 William Selyam Rocchioli vineyard from the Russian River Valley. This was a great tasting panel. The executive editor of the Quarterly Review of Wine was there. The person that at the time did the wine column for the Boston Globe. I mean, real pros. And believe it or not, the Russian River Valley wine won. It really stunned everyone there. It was just so complex and had so much going on that even though the Grand Cru Burgundy was phenomenal. 
it, it just really did upstage it, which was amazing. Okay, so now we're at the Russian River Valley. So I'm going to give you a, a few recommendations, uh, some different price levels and some different stylistic levels here. Now, unlike most other wines that you want to age and let the tannins kind of calm down so they smooth out and you get more aromatics, here, the younger, the better because the more intense that ripe fruit is and the less likely it is to be stirred by all the other things on the table there. For you Cabernet Sauvignon lovers out there, I would recommend the 2020 Belle Gloss Russian River Pinot Noir Dairyman Vineyard. This is huge. It's an amazing blockbuster of a wine. As a matter of fact, it can fill a lot of the food situations that you normally go to a Cabernet for. Just tons of black cherry, chocolate, plum, spice. I was actually doing a matching at uh, Ming Size Blue Ginger with Ming. It was a special dinner he's putting on that costs $2,000 per person for 1,000 people. And he liked it so much that he chose it over these amazing Cabernets because he thought this was a better match for both the wine and the sauce that we were looking after. So that's about $50, but that gives you, my God, the full-blown Pinot Noir experience of the Russian River Valley. Now, the one that's a little more modestly priced and works extremely well is the 2021 DNA Pinot Noir. Um, sells for about $25.00. It gives you pretty much the whole Russian River experience with a plum and the maraschino cherry and the oak and all that. But if you really want to pull out all the stops and do it up, you're going to be looking at the Martinelli Vineyards. They uh, were instrumental in the development of the Russian River Valley. As a matter of fact, they moved there from Tuscany. They were very young. One was 21. The other was 16. Uh, to start making wine. They had made wine in Tuscany. And in 1880, they were among the first to plant vineyards there. Their wines are really some of the absolute best that you can find. Uh, the one that I'm looking at here is the Zio Tony Ranch Vineyard or the Uncle Tony Ranch Vineyard. That was given a 95 rating by the wine spectator. That is about as good as it gets for American Pinot Noir there. They absolutely loved it. They called it a fruit-driven red with a core of mulberry, blackberry, black cherry, fruit flavors that fan out and steadily pick up light anise, fruitcake, and incense notes. Amazing stuff. I mean, just really almost kind of borderlining on profound. That's $75, so it's not cheap. But now on to a couple of the other reds. The red that traditionally has been used most often, perhaps, at the Thanksgiving Day table is Beaujolais Nouveau. For those of you that weren't listening earlier today, I'm going to give you just a, a little snapshot of the history of that and what's going on with it right now. Beaujolais Nouveau is made from Gamay grapes that were still on the vine just a few weeks ago. It's now become a huge worldwide phenomenon. There's over 2,000 producers. They make about 28 million cases. But they really had a good marketing scheme in the beginning. In the 1960s, what they did is they decided, okay, this 
wine is going to have a release date of the third Thursday in November, right at 12.01 a.m. Originally, that kind of started for them to have a wine to celebrate the vintage with, you know, when they're bringing in all the grapes and all that with their workers. But then again, the thought came to them, hey, let's let everyone else in on this. And it did become a real excitement point. Uh, people were looking for that nouveau when it first arrived to the point that they would have cars, very fast cars in Beaujolais when it was released. And they would race to Paris to go to the restaurants where the customers, where the diners were there waiting for the arrival of the wine. And they used to give these wildly exorbitant prizes to the first person to make it and all that. But it was more of a marketing ploy in the beginning. The wine itself really wasn't particularly good. It was made using carbonic maceration and it had this high acidity, a little bit of tannin to it, but wasn't really pleasant to drink. A lot of it had to do with they were using these yeasts from the Champagne region of France that were very strong to get the fermentation done and over with because they wanted to get the wine in the bottle right away. But it turns out that those yeasts gave the wine off aromas and flavors, sometimes of banana and uh, a little bit of a medicinal candied quality, not particularly fun to drink, but it was still a big deal. It, they went worldwide with this and people still look forward to its arrival. Now, they give it to the distributors in advance around the world and they give it to the stores, but still the stores aren't allowed to sell it until that third uh, Thursday in November. Now, I have to admit, I was always in that group that said, ah, Beaujolais Nouveau, whoop-de-doo. Uh, but I hadn't had one for a few years, so I decided to go out yesterday and buy one thinking, hey, you know, I'll I'll take a sip of it so I can say I tasted it and then I'll use the rest of the bottle to cook with. Wow, was I shocked. It was the 2023 George Duboeuf Beaujolais Nouveau and it was absolutely delicious. It had this juicy ripe berry quality to it, this kind of cherry, strawberry, raspberry thing. One of the things that you do have to do with the Nouveau, though, is you really need to chill it. You want to serve it right around that 55 degrees, which is a, a decent chill, and it just gives it um, a, a real lift to all the fruit and just makes it a uh, a, a ton of of fun to, uh, to, to drink out there. So Beaujolais Nouveau, I'm recommending very highly based upon the experience that I just had. There are a lot of other wines there, though, that work really well with the Thanksgiving table. A few more reds, and then we'll go on to the whites. One of the wines that I think is the best value in wine that I've ever seen, and we always have on hand at our household, is the VA Ferme Red. Um, it's made by the Perrin brothers of Chateau de Beaucastel. Now, the Chateau de Beaucastel is arguably the finest Chateau Neuf de Pop made. They have special bottlings that have been rated 100 points by the top scorers, absolutely perfect wines, you know, quite expensive, some of the most expensive wines of the region. But I actually met with the Perrin brothers in, 
in the Rhone Valley where they uh, make this wine. And they said, yeah, you know, we uh, we're very proud of the uh, top end wines we make, but we wanted to make a wine that someone could pour at their wedding that would be, you know, very easily accessible. The wine costs between eight and $10. It's not a lot of money at all. But again, here you have the winemaking expertise and the Perrin brothers picking these great vineyard sites throughout the Rhone that the wine really over delivers. It has great balance to it. The only criticism I can make of it is it's a little bit too easy to drink. Before you know it, that bottle's gone. Uh, a couple other things that work, and it's interesting because we've been uh, talking relatively recently about these red blends that have become all the rage the past 10 years or so, where the wines are eh, a little bit off dry, little touch of sweetness to them. And, you know, those work incredibly well at the Thanksgiving table. One in particular that I'm fond of is a wine called Menage a Trois Silk. It's a, a red blend. It's a combination. They call it Menage a Trois because it's three different grapes. Pinot Noir primarily, Malbec and Petit Sirah. Just a little touch of fruitiness there that accompanies the whole table beautifully. The other wines that can work. And the interesting thing here is in both cases, the inexpensive versions work much, much better at the table than the expensive ones are Zinfandel, California Zinfandel, because the less expensive ones tend to not be as high in alcohol and is a lot more fruit driven. And the Shirazes from Australia. Uh, there are a number of other wines, but I think that'll take care of the reds for us for today. So on to the whites. The first wine I wanted to talk about that is one of our absolute favorite is one of our best, most favorite wines in the world in terms of its value. And that is a Vouvray made in the Loire Valley of France from Chenin Blanc. But there's one producer that is really outstanding, and that is Pichot. Um, when you make Vouvray's, they come in, in different sweetness levels. You can do a sec, which means dry, demi-sec, which means off dry, and there are dessert wines and all that. Pichot's wine has no indication on the label. And when there's no indication, it's between sec and demi-sec, but a little bit closer to the dry end of it. But a nice touch of fruit there. The wine has just amazing complexity and depth to it. It's um, just a hair off dry. You get this fruit in the mouth when it's in your mouth, but it finishes bone dry. It is one of those wines that cuts across all levels of wine drinkers. Novices like it. The, the people that have been drinking wine and consider themselves very knowledgeable seem to like it because it's so complex and so well done. That is my first choice for a white at the Thanksgiving table. There are a number of others. Uh, the next place to go, our next favorite area, would be German Riesling. The two recommendations I can make there at two different, slightly different price levels are both by Ernie Lozen, L-O-S-S-E-N. He does a Dr. L that's his entry-level wine. 
that is amazingly good for around $15. It has, you know, a, a nice depth and complexity to it, really good length and all that, and would be phenomenal at the Thanksgiving table. But he does this special bottling. It's a, a single vineyard wine. It's the Erziger Wurzgarten Fischerei is the vineyard site, Spechlese. Now, these are grapes that have been picked a little later. Tremendous amount of depth and flavor there and complexity. They walk this line between the vibrancy of the acidity and the slight sweetness of the fruit. This one has notes of green tea and white pepper on the spicy side, but then almost kind of some kiwi and clementine and a lot of stuff like that going on at the same time. Really rich and silky. Now, that one's in the $30 range, but wow, that really gives you the full-blown uh, German wine experience because they can be phenomenal wines and some of the best whites in the world. Touching on just a couple other things that... Uh, might catch your attention to try. Pinot Grigio can work, but the same grape in Italy that's called Pinot Grigio in Alsace is called Pinot Gris, and it is a different clone. It has a, a greater level of richness to it. It's, it's much more kind of round and creamy. Um, there's a winery there, Domaine Schlumberger, that does a great Pinot Gris called the Prince Abbe for about $24. And just a, a, a great wine to experience if you haven't had a Pinot Gris from Alsace before. It goes really well with a cheese plate and all kinds of different things, but especially well with the Thanksgiving Day table. That same grape in Oregon, Pinot Gris, uh, in the past has made wine very similar in style, but lately they've been picking a little bit earlier to get a little more freshness and spiciness in it and a little bit more vibrant acidity to it. The 2022 Elcove Pinot Gris has just been released, and that is lovely, really vibrant, a ton of spice, but a little hint of uh, apricot to it. The last one that I'm going to mention here is the Pine Ridge Chenin Blanc Viognier blend. Uh, it has that richness and depth of flavor from the Viognier, which kind of gives you the peach, apricot, and maybe hints of melon. But the Chenin Blanc, that Vouvray grape, just really kind of keeps it fresh and crisp and lively. And it really is the best of both worlds. And it comes in at around $16. Just going to spend a few minutes on wines and dessert now um you can pretty much cover your whole dessert table with two different wines that would be moscato d'asti and brachetto d'acqui moscato d'asti for those of you that have been around for a while as i have there used to be an asti spamante that was quite sweet moscato d'asti not so much it's it has some of that beautiful ripe quality that that you'd think of from the Asti Spamante, the, that nice kind of peachy, apricotty note to it, but not as sweet. And it has these really beautiful um, bubbles. It has a frizzante, as the Italians would call it. Um, that one works really well with things like the pumpkin pie, the apple pie, the different pies 
and all that. But then there's another, it's kind of the red version of the Moscato called Brachetto d'Aqui, which is a darker uh, grape, which gives you notes of kind of um, blueberry and blackberry and spice. Now, with both of these wines, they're very refreshing because they're both frizzante and they're only about 5% alcohol. So they're really great in terms of bringing the palate back after a big meal. But I did want to mention a few wines uh, that would be especially good for specific desserts. Got to go to pumpkin pie first. And as I mentioned, that Moscato can work. But there is a late harvest Gewürztraminer that has a lot of beautiful kind of clove and um, lychee nut spice in that. And it is sweet enough to handle the sweetness of the pie. Hush does a great one for about $22. That's if you want the pumpkin pie wine, that would be it. For pecan pie, um, there is a wine that is like Sancerre, um, excuse me, not Sancerre, but Sauterne, uh, that has botricized grapes. You know, the grapes have that Nova Rod that give them this intense spiciness and sweetness, but it's a lot cheaper because it's just across the river from the actual Sauterne region, and that's Bel Air. It's a saint Croix de Mont, and it's about $25. It's phenomenal with that pie. The other way to go with pecan pie would be a tawny port, where Zotima for about 25 works really, really well with that. For apple pie, there's a Domaine d'Urban, Muscat Baume de Venise, which is a Van du Natural, which means it's a wine that's naturally sweet, but what they do is they add grape brandy to it to stop the fermentation and keep that sweetness there. It has notes of anise and just really um, very, very, very good um, a Muscat-based wine to work with the apple pie. Domaine d'Urban makes a excellent one, perhaps the best of the whole appellation. And if you're doing chocolate desserts, the bracchetto would work, but there is a wine uh, from the southern part of France there, right where France um, meets Spain and the, the Mediterranean there, and that's called Bagnol. It's a wine made like a port where they stop the fermentation to keep the sweetness in it, but it's made with a Grenache grape. And it is phenomenal with chocolate desserts. It, it just sparks are flying. It's, it's the best match I've ever had. Uh, a simple uh, port would work as well. Wars makes a great warrior port for about $20 that would be phenomenal there. And last but not least, if you're doing a fruit tart, this Bel Air saint croix de mont that I mentioned before with the pecan pie would just sing with the fruit tart there. The only other wines I wanted to mention just very, very quickly is if you want to start with a sparkling, there is a Roterer Estate Brut made by the same people that make Cristal that is fantastic. Part of the wine is reserved, aged in oak, and it gives the wine tremendous depth and complexity, just absolutely incredible, better than some actual French champagnes, and it's made here right in the USA. So I think that about covers everything for the Thanksgiving table.
Wow. Everything except the uh, gravy boat and uh, what label you're going to put on that, I guess. But, you know, Len, this was such a great episode. I'm glad that we could have this conversation. And I'm sure there's a lot of folks that learned far more than they bargained for right here on Wine by Design. And of course, I must ask you if somebody wants to reach out and ask you about how they can make proper preparations for their Thanksgiving festivities, what's the best way to do that? That would be lenwmex at gmail.com or l-e-n-w-m-e-x at gmail.com. Just wanted to mention, I know I mentioned a lot of wines here, but if they do reach out to me, I'd be happy to help them find the wines. I know the distributors that supply them and will even talk to the store that they typically shop at to see if I can facilitate things. That's very generous of you, Len. We appreciate that. And as always, My- oh, go ahead. My pleasure. <laughs> there it is. I'm quick to the draw. I can't help it all day. <laughs> On that happy note, thank you very much. You've been listening to Wine by Design with Len here on 1510, the all-new WMEX. And, of course, online at WMEXBoston.com. You can catch Len every Friday at 2.30 with Uncle Tony on the Italian Hour, as well as 6 o'clock for the full deal. Till next time, friends, drink safely and be safe out there.